covering all things Partick Thistle. Happy New Year to all of you listening at home. Joining me on our first episode of 2022 is Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you? Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, it was It was nice just to, to get some time off and just to spend some time with the family and it's good to be back doing another podcast after a wee enforced hiatus, but yeah, good to be back. Good stuff. Jamie McDonald's here. Jamie, how was your festive period? Yeah, it was nice. Just got to spend a good day with my parents, and yeah, I enjoyed it. It was nice to have a bit more of a Christmas than there was last year. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Good to have the football back and all. And rounding off our panel this week is David Forrest. David, how are you? I'm well. I enjoyed my three weeks off from editing. I'm on holiday, so not I was uh, crestfallen to find out that not only did I have to edit a podcast this week, but as well as that, I had to watch Partick Thistle play. So you know, um, ups and downs. But no, I'm doing well. Good stuff. Um, we'll just before we get into to Saturday's game against Hamilton, we'll just talk a, a little bit about the postponements. Three games, I believe, were postponed over the festive period. So we lost Inverness away. We lost um, home games against Morton and Ayr. Reese, what were your initial reactions when all of those games got called off? Did you think it was good thing, bad thing? Obviously, fans couldn't get in, so that might have affected how you feel. How did you feel when they were all? called off yeah well it's frustrating personally um on a personal point of view like the festive period is usually a time the games come thick and fast and it's good to go to these games and then obviously the restrictions were in place as well so it makes it harder and it's good to have football whether you're at the game or where you have to watch it on the stream it's always good to have football at that time of year so it was disappointing also um it was a, it was a frustrating as well with the was it the Air united game being such a late call i think it was just uh, less than two hours until kickoff, so you're kind of in the mood to go to the game, getting ready after work and stuff, and then a late postponement for a waterlogged pitch, and it, it wasn't exactly a terrible like rainstorm outside or anything. It was just a bit of a drizzle, and the game was also a bit concerned with a pitch. Um, and also regarding just postponements in general, you don't want to have let like, your fixture schedule mounting up, especially like this time of the year when the pitches do get quite heavy and stuff like. Us as part of the Fissel fans, we know better than anyone. Games in hand don't mean anything because you look at it like the season before last when we got relegated with a game in hand. Like it doesn't matter, obviously. Like it doesn't matter if you got a game in hand. You need to have points on the board more than anything. Put pressure on the teams around you because at the end of the day, it's not a given. You have to go and win these games. So yeah, frustrating, and we kind of lost a wee bit of ground, but hopefully we can make that back up. It is frustrating. I think the one thing to remember is that how how good we were last season when the fixtures piled up at the end of the season and you can build that momentum up when you are playing well and winning games. Jamie, I know you were you are gutted about the particularly the air game at home being postponed. How did the postponements affect your mood over the festive period? <laughs> On the night, I was absolutely fuming that the game was called off because it was called off so late as well. You know, I've been looking forward to going into it. It's the only game you had a chance of getting into after obviously the Inverness one had been called off and fans when I got into it, all the other games after that as well and I was just fuming that that game was called off and was vocal about it, I suppose, that it got called off. Now, I do still think that the club do hold some of the blame with the pitch because the pitch is just terrible right now. And that, you know, they were assured at the start of the season that ground sharing you know, wouldn't have a negative effect on the pitch. It clearly has. Games are getting called off. Two of ours have been called off. Queen's Park game was called off. And uh, it's just that you, you, everyone can see that the pitch is looking bad this season. Players and the management team have even said that the pitch isn't good, so there's no hiding from it. It looks like it was a mistake ground sharing with Queen's Park, albeit we got probably got an okay fee out of it, which hopefully you'd like to think contributed towards one of the signings this season. But even at that, it's, the pitch is terrible, and I'm really hold on ground share if anybody again. So yeah, I, I was I was pretty raging about it, but it's, it's been a while now, so I'm just looking forward to whenever we can finally get back in. Hopefully, starting with the 
is it Arbroath away? Oh no, it's Airdrie at home, isn't it? In the Scottish Cup, the first game afterwards. So hopefully we can get into that. Yeah, fingers crossed. I suppose that's another slight positive of the game's been off. It increases the chances of fans being allowed back in at these games if they're scheduled for later on in the season. David, you said that you enjoyed your three-week breaks. I'm not going to ask you if you were too upset about the game's being postponed, but we'll look to back to the Hamilton game now and the starting 11 as we always talk about. And to be honest, we were pretty close to full strength. Stuart Bannigan was the only notable absentee from the, the matchday squad and it was debutant Robbie Crawford who came in for him in midfield. So what did you think of the starting 11 when you saw it and what did you expect from, from yesterday's game? Um, when I seen it, obviously... Bannigan not being there or being on the bench, uh, it was quite surprising. But seeing Crawford come in, I mean, we, we there was a lot of chat in the group chat about how Crawford was so highly rated by McCall. He's a player that McCall really believes in and talking about him muscling in in game time. So I was excited to see how Crawford would do. But as you say, apart from that, it's pretty much a full-strength team. I was quite glad of that. A um, couple of concerns about People being off, people isolating, stuff like that. You know what their fitness would be like. But I can't really grumble too much about starting 11. It's probably the best you'd hope for. Reese, what did you make of the Robbie Crawford signing? We mentioned just off air, it was quite out of the blue. Were you happy with it? Yeah, it's a signing that I was I was actually really happy with, in fact, because Robbie Crawford's a player from his time at Air under McCall last time when, when they were kind of flying high at the top end of the league. I was really impressed with him. And I actually showed you guys a tweet that I tweeted back at that time, maybe 2018, um, where I was mentioning that, that I personally felt that Robbie Crawford was Air's main man. I know Shankman was bagging all the goals, but just something about the way that Robbie Crawford played, the, the way he carries the ball, his passing range and stuff, just really impressed me. And obviously they had a great team at that time. Their midfield was really strong with Doc and Crawford, but Crawford was the one that always kind of caught my eye. Doc kind of does the dirty work, like as we all know. So yeah, I'm a signing that I was more than pleased with, and it was even better when it kind of comes out of the blue. You're not expecting it for days on end and you're thinking, is this signing going to happen at that point? But see, when it just comes out of the blue, you're like, wasn't expecting that. So, and I've seen McCall done a wee interview saying it's only six months, but McCall is letting the board know that he wants it to be longer than that. And 27, I mean, it's a good age. He's got plenty of time ahead of him. They could end up being a player who's on our books for years to come. So, yeah, um, it brings a bit of something different to the midfield as well. He's, I'd say he's a bit, he's a mix between Doherty and Banzo and Kel Turner, he's in the middle of both of them, because I'd say he's technically more on the level Kel Turner, but he's not afraid to put in a challenge, and he's more box-to-box than the rest of them, um, which I think we saw at the weekend, he was in quite a lot of 50-50s, and at times he, he got a chance to spray it about, so I think he's only going to get better, because, I mean, that was his first game of the season, he'd kind of been nursing a, an ankle knock for the first part of the season at Motherwell, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with that sign, and hopefully can kick on, and I mean, as we've spoken on, there's going to be games adding up thick and fast, all the postponements, so he's definitely going to get his fair share of game time. Yeah, I always remember Ian McCall's sort of sports sound um, sound bites around that same sort of eighteen nineteen season, and he always mentioned Crawford being the sort of hidden gem of the the his Air United team and of the championship. He said he always rated him as one of the best midfielder in the championship. So if we've got anything close to a player like that, then bringing him in on a six month deal with you to longer term can only be seen as a good bit of business. I think. Jamie, what did you make of Crawford's debut yesterday? Were you impressed with him and Doherty in the midfield? Yeah, I thought that he was very solid. I said off air as well, I thought Doherty was brilliant yesterday. I thought it was a really good game from him. But yeah, I like the look of Crawford. I thought he carried the ball well. I thought he put in a few good tackles. I thought his distribution looked good. Obviously, he was probably a little bit rusty because I think he hadn't played all season for uh, Motherwell. So probably needs a little bit more to get match sharpness up. And, you know, if that's him on a, you know, rusty kind of, out of shape game then that's fine with me because he definitely didn't look bad so I'm looking forward to seeing him when he's really reaching his full potential when he's got probably a little bit more sharp match sharpness got a little bit more fitness back in him he could be you know, a real asset for us in the middle of the park this season and adding to what's already a strong midfield and you know with Thock and Banzo in there so you have to you have to fight for his place when Banningham comes back from COVID you'd think unless we change shape but I really like the look of him and look forward to seeing more from him yeah, I agree. I was actually really impressed by Docherty as well yesterday, just while, while we're on the midfield. He made a pass, it was about 10-12 minutes in. It was a really good forward through ball to Rudden, who forced a goalkeeper into a good save. And I think that's something we'd, we'd all like to see a bit more from Doc, and maybe he thought he had to take on a bit more responsibility with Bannigan out the side. But playing those incisive forward passes, um, 
he can do it. So I think we'd all like to see him do it more often because the, the pass through to run yesterday was an excellent one. David, what were your overall thoughts on, on the game yesterday? Did you see it as a point gained or two points dropped? I definitely feel it was two points dropped. Um, we The first half was quite poor. We were, we were quite poor, but Hamilton were poorer than us in the first half. We did get quite lucky that we scored right in the strike at, at, strike at half-time because I think we'd all kind of resigned ourselves to nil-nil, which I think would have been a bit unfair. I think we were the better side in the first half, but it was a quite terrible half of football. Second half, it kind of lit up. Obviously, got the three goals. And it was... The penalty was the penalty. It, it's one of those things that happens, you know, daft challenge, penalty... And you know, Snedden even got a hand to it, but he couldn't keep it out. Fair enough. The second goal, just we should not be conceding that sort of goal. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a letdown that that, that was the equaliser, to be honest. I actually missed the second goal. I had to go back and watch it because I was watching it in the stream. My stream died. Um, I, I have not missed watching games and streams. But overall, I thought we were quite good. We really livened up with five, ten minutes to go. We did press them, and in the last five minutes, we were all over them trying to get a winner, which is really good to see because we have at times in games where we're labouring, where we'll, we'll maybe stick at our plan that's not worked before and not change the tempo up. And you could see a noticeable change of tempo, despite the fact that a lot of these players hadn't played in three weeks and were probably exhausted. They did give that little bit extra to try and get a goal. Um, so you kind of have to single that out for a wee bit of praise, but yeah, um, an okay performance. Realistically, we should have won, though. So I would say two points lost. I actually want to talk about the penalty concession because we were just having a chat off air about Mayo, and I've brought it up before on the podcast, and I think it might have been actually after the 6-1 win at Hamilton that I'm a huge Lewis Mayo fan. I think he's a brilliant centre-back. I think he's going to go on and have a great career. But the one weakness I think is noticeable in his game is when attackers run at him and we saw a rash tackle yesterday it's not the first penalty he's given away I remember in the Hamilton away 6-1 victory the only real chance Hamilton created in the first half was a, a run from midfield where Mayo backed off and backed off and backed off and he did look a bit scared when folk get the ball down and start running at him and it, it's the only weakness I can see in his game because he's a very accomplished defender but it's something I, I would think, say Sorry, I was going to say on that, he also, in the Scotland game, in the Scotland uh, cap uh, against Belgium, he also conceded, I believe it was to De Kessler, where he'd done the exact same thing when the guy ran at him, and he pulled him down the box, and uh, Belgium went one up from it. So it's not it's not just us, it's it's very much a, a male thing, regardless of who he's playing for. Yeah, and I'm sure that will get ironed out in his career. You know, he's a young defender, he's getting coached by, you know, the Thistle coaches, the Scotland under-21 coaches, coaches at Rangers, I'm sure they'll iron those issues out in the game, but I think it is something uh, we need to, or maybe the players playing Nixon need to have a look at and maybe help him out when he is getting ran out in a one-on-one situation. Reese, what did you make of the performance yesterday? Well, just want to say, first of all, it was rusty, and you expect that after not playing for almost a month. Um, and I would say that had we played those three postponed games, that I think we would comfortably comfortably beat Hamilton. Um, I reckon we would have took our chances and we would just looked a lot sharper. That's what comes with match sharpness. So considering we hadn't p- played in three weeks, it was decent. The first half was was pretty dire. Um, I'd say we just about edged it. Um, and as David mentioned, we were kind of kind of one of those ones. You're lucky to go into the break with a one 0 lead, but you take that every day of the week. Um, great strikes from Tiffany. Um, and then second half, the game came came to life a bit and. As you just mentioned, it's a poor penalty giveaway. The guy's run out for a goal kick and Mayo just dives in. It's one of those ones. Snedden, could he save it? I don't know. Whenever a keeper gets a strong hand to the ball, you, you like to think that they're going to make a save. Um, but it's a penalty. Nine times out of ten, the penalty scorer. The penalty will take a world score. But when he gets such a big uh, hand on it and he kind of almost parries it into the roof of the net, you're hoping he got a save. But it is what it is. You carry on. And then we're, we're lucky enough to get that second goal. And that was great work from Foster to get that ball back in the middle of the park. Great delivery from Turner again. Um, and Big Graham knocks it down for Rudden. So you're thinking at that point, right, we'll push on now. We'll get a we'll get a third. And for them to go up the other end and equalise so so soon, it's another poor goal to concede. You've let their centre half completely unmarked at the back post. And he's put off like an acrobatic bicycle kick. And then it looks like Snedden's about to make a comfortable save. And 
Graham hooks into the roof in the net. So it's just, just a couple of errors that's led to that goal again. Um, and as you spoke about, we kind of pushed on at the end. But whenever you make the, the free changes to bring on Smith, Murray and McKeever, uh, although I think they're all, all three of them are good players, they're not up to the, the level of Rudden and Graham. So whenever those guys come on, you kind of subconsciously know that we've settled for a point or we've settled to just, or even just knowing in the back of your mind, we're not really going to score. Obviously, of course, sometimes you will get it, but it's not at that level. So I think maybe we'll need to uh, dip into the transfer market this window, bring in another forward. I know for a, well, I don't know for a fact, but you'd like to think that we will, regardless um, of any activity, any outgoings. You'd like to think that Jake Hastie will be going back to Rangers, um, and we'll bring in a, a two, uh, one or two bodies in the forward areas, and it'll just strengthen us because we're not going to sign guys just to come and sit on the bench. We're going to sign guys who are, who are going to be looking to start every week. So. And on another day, we would have easily won that game because you look at the chances that Tiff had, he's got to do better with them. But it's rustiness um, and saying that they had the bar as well. So we could easily have left there with zero points. So, And you look at the results elsewhere, Kelly are the only, the only team that really got a good result up the top end of the league. Obviously, I've both dropped points and then the other two getting a draw with each other. It does feel like two points lost and definitely did feel like a defeat, but over the course of a season, these results will happen all over the league. That's what that's the beauty of a ten team league. You look at it yesterday beating our broth. So it's another game unbeaten. We're still in the pack. As long as we're in touching distance, then it's a good result. So yeah, on to next week. Big game on Friday. As we'll come on to talk about Friday's game in a bit more detail later, Jamie. Before I come to you, I just want to talk about the the actual penalty itself and whether Snedden could I save that or not? I know what you mean about when goalkeepers get such a big hand on the ball, you sort of expect a save. But if you look at where the ball went in, the only chance he would have of saving it, I think, with the power the ball struck at, is to stop the ball like in its tracks and the ball just to almost like stop and go down. The ball wasn't high enough in the goal to flick it over and the ball wasn't wide enough in the goal to push it right. So it would have taken like, immense strength in the arm, I think, just to stop that ball and... I think it was mentioned in commentary yesterday. It was just the power that beat him and the power and the fact that the ball wasn't close enough to like the edge of the goal to flick it over or wide was really the problem. Um, and I agree with you. I think Snedden would have saved the second goal had it not been for Graham. You can't really blame Graham for, for going for it. It was just unfortunate and Snedden would have saved it if, if Graham didn't intervene. Jamie, what were your thoughts yesterday? similar to what's been mentioned it wasn't a great game overall first half was pretty awful to be honest it was a lot of long balls and head tennis going on at some points and we'll obviously take take a uh, lead at halftime any day of the week you know tough but it was a really good free kick and obviously Graham with some top tier shithousery you know getting the goalkeepers away that was great that was quite a moment but uh, it was a great first half second half I thought we came out we were all right when we came out but, you know, obviously that penalty, it was just, you know, the most frustrating thing about yesterday is conceding two sloppy goals. Conceded a penalty with a needless trip. And I don't think Sneddon could have really saved it. Maybe if he got two hands to it, maybe he could have somehow, like, put it straight back to Ryan and then he'd have to save the rebound. I don't know. It was a very difficult one to save. It was a really powerful penalty. But, um, yeah, just in the second goal as well, like we said, Brian Graham, I think, if anything, it's more of a Brian Graham one goal than, that's maybe a bit harsh when you take away from that guy. But, you know, I uh, saw a tweet about it, about uh, something about the eye of the beholder. It was like Thistle uh, tweeted about how he scored with like, scrambled over the line and then Hamilton said like an acrobatic overhead kick. I mean, it was kind of an overhead kick straight in the middle. So then was positioned to save it. And then Graham just instinctively stuck his foot out at it, probably trying to hook it over the bar and he ended up smacking it into the roof of the net. But the ball wasn't over the line yet, so I'm going to be harsh if it's a Graham one goal. But it's avoidable goals. We've had other chances like, Tiff when you probably should have squared it to Rodden and then Tiff with a one-on-one as well and then you know in the last minute when uh, that Lewis Mayo header has been cleared off the line you know that was kind of agonising I thought that was in at the time as well you know it's just a frustrating game to watch we did look rusty but hopefully that's the only time we'll see us looking that rusty we hopefully can get back into full training because I mentioned a lot of the players had barely trained this week so hopefully we just get back into good training and get match sharpness back and come on again next Friday a better performance that's what, we've, that's what we all want to see and you know we've not got a good record against Kamara for home I saw something today about how we haven't beaten them at home since 2002 you know I was thinking about it and I was like we actually haven't we usually draw against them at home and I think we've lost like two games against them at home in recent times maybe three yeah we don't have a good record against them at Far Hill for some reason so good to end that 
Yeah, I think if you think back to, to last season, after that break in the season and our first game back was at home against Cove, and it was of a similar poor game where we could have won, but there, it just wasn't a good game because both teams lacked that match sharpness. And albeit this break in the season wasn't quite as long as that, but you could see that we did lack match sharpness. And when you consider that Hamilton have been playing games while we haven't and actually playing pretty well in the games and picking up some good results, I think a point isn't the worst result in the world. And a goal for Rudness, first goal in a couple of months, and a goal for Tiffany will boost the confidence. And it's, it's 90 minutes in the legs of players who haven't played or trained much at all in the last three weeks. So I don't think it's the worst result in the world on on Saturday. We did have some good news um, in the last week. Jamie Snedden and Tunji Akinola both committed their future to the club until the summer of 2023. So, David, how crucial is that? Oh, it's 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 a it's a it's a great turn up uh, for us to get both of them. Snedden has really really proved himself this season. He he is the number one keeper, and he 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 could be our keeper for years. Um, and he's really cemented himself in that position. So getting him locked down was really imperative because I didn't fancy us having to try and find a goalkeeper that could kind of match Snedden, especially in the sort of form that he's shown this season. And Tunji as well. I think we all accept that Tunji probably is a little bit too good for us and will go somewhere else. I think McCall said it himself that, you know, we are we are very blessed to have him and we should treasure him for as long as we have. So getting another year out of him is just an unbelievable result. And it was quite it was kind of heartening to see Tunji in his interview talk about how everyone had been really, you know, friendly and stuff. And McCall had mentioned as well about there was that connection between the fans and Tunji and that like, you know, he put in a good tackle and then they all sing and stuff like that. And I think Tunji had said and McCall said he hadn't had the best time in terms of moving to Glasgow and sort of settling himself and the, the fans really helped because they just absolutely took to him straight away. I mean, they were singing his name uh, in his debut. And, uh, you can't underestimate just how much that that crowd has definitely helped and, can, and keeping him for another year. I'm delighted. Obviously, we all want Rudden to sign. I, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that I don't think he will. I think he will be away in the summer. I don't think he'll go this uh, transfer window, but uh, that was it was really key for us to get Snedden and Akinola down for another year. And yeah, great news. It sure is. I'm I'm so pleased for Jamie Snedden because I think he's had his his doubters throughout his time at the club, and it's really only the last three or four months where he's convinced just about all of the fan base. But I think. There's been a, a good goalkeeper in there, even when he's been in and out of the side. We've seen glimpses of it. We all remember that save down at Palmerston on the last day of the season, and he's been doing things like that on a weekly basis now. And it's so it's a really well deserved contract. He's he's been granted, and I tune Jack and all of what what I steal that was, what a find that was to get him up from from England, someone that we didn't really know much about, but to get him for another year or another year or what will be a, a good transfer fee to get him away from the club so yeah great business Reese, David mentioned Zach Rudden there do you think he will be a Thistle player on February the 1st it's, it's touch and go right now because you've seen that abuse that McCall's been given and he's basically said if we get what we value for him we will sell him um, and that's pretty much it in black and white if we get the money that we want then he's gone but from my own point of view, I wouldn't sell him for any money this window unless it was crazy money because you're guaranteed a fee um, regardless when he leaves in the summer because he's still under the age of 23. Um, you look what happened, um, I was trying to, Livingst- um, try to get Tiffany from Livingston. We were due compensation for Penrice, they were due compensation for Tiffany. And I mean, Tiffany only played like, I don't even know, like a season's worth of games at Livingston. They signed from Morton and Livingston ended up getting the compensation for him. So... Um, we'd be due a bit of money in the summer even if he leaves um, because we've offered him a contract um, so I wouldn't be in no rush to sell him just for a nominal fee this month and you've seen that obviously we've had a couple of bids from St Johnston there's been a bid from another unnamed uh, Premiership club and then talking to people today that Motherwell were interested in him as well so I feel like we're going to get bombarded with offers and I mean what is it just now the, the 9th of January it's a long time to go and I think the bids are only going to intensify. So if he's still a player come the end of this month, I imagine um, deadline day will be a wee bit nerv- nervous if he's still here, um, right up until the final the final hour. 
I hope he's still here because he is massive for any sort of ambitions we have of getting promoted this year. Him and Graham have a great partnership and if he does go, it's going to be tough to um, replace him. Especially light for light in terms of a guy that young who's already a proven goal scorer. I mean, he's just turned 21 and he has something like 40 career goals. Like That's hard to come by. That's an, that's an incredible record for any young player. I mean, like you look at the guys that have came through academy in recent years, like even Kevin Nisbet, albeit was a higher league at the time, he couldn't really get going for ourselves. And I mean, uh, he's like, Rudden has three years on him just now, and I fully expect Rudden to go and have sort of similar effect in the Premiership or wherever he seems to go. If he goes down south again, uh, I expect him to kick on and have a good career. And we spoke about it in our chat earlier on. I actually think he'll be the next one-time Fissel player to go on and get a Scotland cap. So personally, I'd like to keep him. Will we keep him? I don't really know. Uh, and the way that McCall has been giving interviews, I think, if we, get, if we get a decent bid, and I think they will come eventually in, in this window, it could be off. But you'd like to hope any fee that we do receive will go towards a replacement because, let, let's be serious, we want to get out of this league. I know I've seen a couple of fans saying, I'd rather stay in this league and go again next year, which I understand where they're coming from, but your aim every year is to get promoted. I don't care what you say. So I'd like to think any, any bid that does come in, if we do sell them, we'll go and get someone else with that money. I think the one encouraging thing, I think, again, if you look back to Ian McCall at Air United, when Air United were going for a promotion that season and there were silly bids coming in for for Shankland, he turned them down and he was on record saying that he would rather take the gamble of getting in the Premier League and losing Shankland for nothing at the end of the season because at the end of the day, getting in the Premier League is is worth more than a transfer fee, even a, a good offer. So I think if Ian McCall, and I think he does have a good relationship with the Thistle board, if he's got that relationship where he can say, look, take the gamble, I think they'll probably back him. And as you say, recently stupid money comes in. David, do you want to come in there? Yeah, I think, I, I, I think I, if, I, if I was McCall on the board, I am very much devising a plan B because you don't want to be in that position where we kind of, we go through the turn and throwing, we think we've got them, and then, like, as we say, it's deadline day, you know, Murrow will come in, St. Johnson, Dundee United, whoever come in and place a daft bid to get them in, and we have to take it, and then we're, we're kind of stuck. We need a, we need another goal scorer anyway. I think it, it's very urgent that we get another one, just put, not just because we need one to complement Graham and Rudden, but we need one also possible to replace Rudden, because I don't think it's a definite that he stays. I think I think it is probably likely he will be gone. I think if he said to me first of August, I say no, I don't think he will be. But I think certainly first of February, I think we'll be able to hold out until then, um, at the very least. But yeah, um, we we definitely need to be devising a plan B. And I think that if you have if Rudin goes say on deadline day, and we don't have a backup ready to slot in with Graham, that will be disastrous for us. Jamie? I don't actually think he will go in January unless what's already been mentioned is a deadline day. I feel like, say, a certain club like, I don't know, Motherwell or Dundee United or someone don't get a target and then they panic by and actually do offer like what the club think he's worth or possibly even a bit more. You know, if they just panic by and offer a stupid fee for him, then we will accept it and we'll lose him. But I think, I think if we don't go up, he's 100% gone in summer. But if we get promoted, I think he actually would stay. I think he'd probably sign a new one-year deal if we got promoted. I could see that happening because in some ways, why wouldn't he? Because he's getting to play the Premiership football that I'm sure he wants at a club, you know, a place he's already settled with teammates he already knows and a fan base already like him. So it would save all the transition for him. Then if he did well in the Premiership that year, then he could probably get a move. And depending on how the season went, who knows? But so obviously, this is all very circumstantial, and if this all happens, we're, we're looking into the future here saying that. But if we were to go up, I truly believe he actually would have a good chance of keeping them. But if we don't, if we don't go up this season, then I'm pretty much resigned to us losing them. I really don't want to lose them in January because I've been, I don't know, I feel I've been banging this, banging on at this for a while. But uh, I think we do need another goal scorer. We need a striker on the bench. We do not have that goal scorer to bring on, and for whatever reason. I feel McCall quite often when we need a goal takes off Rudden and Graham and we bring on like I'm, I'm not you know a part of the Ross McKeever's terrible you know I'm not, I'm not saying that but 
I, I quite like McKeever, but he's not a goal scorer. Like he's played like 18, 19 games a season. He's not scored a single goal. I mean, he's got important assists and stuff, and he's good in the air. And I quite like some of the aspects of his game, but he isn't a goal scorer. We don't have that on the bench right now. So if we were to lose Rudden as well, we didn't bring in an adequate replacement. We'd be relying on Graham like all season. And occasionally Graham has a cup, you know, a spells where he doesn't score, and he's kind of in one right now. And I'm, you know, I'm sure, fully back him to get out of it and go back on a another good scoring run, which he does seem to do. But he is someone who I feel goes on form. I don't think he scores now and again. He goes on a good run of scoring, like, four and four. Then maybe we'll go another four games without a goal, but then four and four again. He's that kind of striker, I feel. And if we lost Rudden and we only had Graham, you know, you'd really worry for our chances of promotion. And it'd be a, it'd be a huge loss, you know, fully relying on Graham for goals. And it'd be massive. I mean, if we got the money last minute as well, we wouldn't really have much time to do with it. We'd either have to go in and offer more than someone's worth for a player who probably wouldn't be as good as Rudden or if we could get someone as good as Rudden we need another goal scorer anyway so it'd be frustrating to try find to I think for me as well I mean looking at at Rudden there's no guarantee he goes to another club and has the same form that he has with us Um, I mean how long did it take him to kind of he went like a solid what like a full season with us where he didn't really do that much and until we, we had the restart. And then, you know, he kicked on and he scored from there and he found his rich vein of form. If you're playing a different system somewhere else, you know, it's not a guarantee that you're going to just pull out that same form, especially when he's not going to be next to Graham because they complement each other so well that it might actually... I'm not just saying this because obviously I want him to stay but it, it's one of those things where, like, if you take him out of that partnership and put him with someone else, it's not is he necessarily going to be replicate re, replicate that? Because he, he doesn't say, tend to do that with, say, McKeever next to him or Cammy Smith. And yeah, I, I just I don't know. I just, I don't know if it's necessarily the best move for him, especially if we are in the in the in the promotion fight. If we don't go up, that like Jamie says, yeah, definitely, I can totally understand you can get a Premiership move, but it probably is a wee bit too early for him because again, it's not it's not a given that he goes to a Premiership club and lights them up when he could be helping us and get into the Premiership and you know continue that that form with a club that he has a proven track record with. See, to be honest though, David, I don't think a player's going to consider who he's playing with. See if he got offered. For example, like double the money and playing in the Premiership, you're going to take it regardless of who you're going to be playing with up front. True. Reese, do you like him in? Yeah, I was just about to um, sort of back David up there for what he was saying. So basically, I agree with him fully. Like, and I think that a lot of young players that this could happen with Rudden feel like a lot of young players are ill-advised and they kind of see the the bright lights of playing in the Premiership and think, all right. Uh, first offer, I've got to jump at that and take it. But you look at it from the outside, the teams that are going to be in for Rudden, it's going to be your St Johnston. I mean, they're struggling at the bottom of the league now. It's going to be the likes of St Mirren. You might get a bid from Ross County or even Motherwell. Teams like, who are down about the bottom of the league, the bottom half anyway, who will just be... It's tough to kind of get going, as, as David said as well. I mean, Rudden went a full calendar year before he scored his first goal for us, albeit he did have a lot of injury problems. So what if he goes to a club like that, playing in the Prem, he's, he's not really getting the goals and he kind of gets forgotten about a wee bit, but he's 21. He's got he's going to have a great career ahead of himself. So I don't see the the bother of staying another six months with us, staying another a season with us, even sign a contract for a year, playing good football. Nicole's got us playing a good way. Another year behind him, another 15 goals, and he'll get an even better move. I, I don't want to see him jump at the first. I don't want to see him move move team and then struggle. I'd like to see him do well, but. You'd like to think he'd stay with us, hopefully get promoted um, and get a better move in the long term. But I, who knows? I, I think it's hard to judge from the outside as well, isn't it? We don't know what a, what a good offer would be. You know, we're, we're not 100% sure exactly what we paid for him. We're not sure exactly how much promotion the, the Premiership is worth. So it's, it's hard to judge what an acceptable offer would be unless you're right in the midst of it. You're Ian McCall, you're Jerry Britton. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to say. I think... No matter what happens, we will be sniffing about the market for another striker because it's, it's hard to be greedy because we do we do have two great goal scorers. But Jamie, you're right; we don't really have a, a goal scorer on the bench, and I think we can all agree as long as we're not in for a certain um, League One club captain, 
I think I think we'll all be happy with another striker coming in. Reese, I'll come back to you. How big a day do you think yesterday was in the, in the championship? Derek McInnes won his first game as Kilmarnock manager and Arbroath also lost their first game since October. And while they were losing that game, one of their main players for the first half of the season, Anton Dowds, was banging in a hat-trick for Falkirk. How pivotal a day do you think yesterday was? Yeah, I do think it could be a really big day for the course of the season. Um, Derek McInnes come to Kelly, that's for a huge spanner in the works. Obviously, a great manager, a great track record. Um, I fully expect the Kilmarnock board to back him uh, with any transfers he'd like to make this month. The same thing being said, they did have a, a good sort of manager with a good record in Tommy Wright, um, and he didn't really live up to it, so we'll see how that one pans out. And considering they were the only ones that got a win yesterday, you fully expect them to be full of confidence now, which, funnily enough, they're playing us next week, which always seems to be the case whenever someone gets a new manager. They always rock up at Fur Hill and they'll look to be taking three points off us. But uh, hopefully we can throw a spanner in the works of that one. Um, regarding our growth, um, I'm happy to see them lose a game. I put up a tweet a couple of weeks ago saying I'm praying on Arbroath's downfall in a joking manner and obviously Arbroath fans were raging about it but let's be honest we all are mate we all hope Arbroath come crumbling down um, because it's nice at first and stuff you're like oh go on it's good to see Arbroath doing well but they're competing with us mate we need them to fall away um, and as you say Anton Dowd who I've never actually really rated like he puts himself about stuff I didn't think he was much a goal scorer uh, done pretty well against us in that game recently then obviously uh, he must be fuming having to drop back down to Falkirk and he got a hat-trick yesterday, so fair play to him. He might have, might have sort of found a bit of confidence from going on Lonnie Arbroath, but I think the big one will be um, Joe Nubley. He played his, his last game for the club yesterday and he'll be a huge loss, but you've just got to wait and see who they'll bring in. I've heard that, um, I don't know if it was confirmed or not, but uh, the boy Jack Hamilton might be going back there. I think he spent the second half of last season there on loan from Livingston, so I still think Arbroath will have a right good go at it. You've got to hope the loss of those two strikers will affect them and they kind of tail off. But with no one else picking up, well, with no one else getting three points yesterday in the top half apart from Kilmarnock, you'd like to. I heard some shouts yesterday, oh, that's Kilmarnock and um, favourites for the league now. Kilmarnock will end up running away with it. And the same stuff that happened after six games of the season, people saying that's Kilmarnock tied up the league. Like, people are just so, make such rash reactions and like claims. But there's, there's a long, long way to go in this season. The same, like, was saying earlier on, like that's two points dropped. You feel like we've kind of we've lost ground. We've not made these results will happen throughout the whole season. The championship, they always throw a few surprises. You'll get teams going to Capelo and dropping points, and you'll get Kilmarnock. Like we all have to play each other on the same thing when it comes to the split at the end of the season. I mean, you look at us last year. I think we were sitting in fifth place, and then the split came about. We ended up winning the league. So keep in the pack until that point. And see what happens. Earlier this week, David caught up with Kilmarnock fan Craig Anderson, who you may know from the Terrace podcast. Now I'm joined by a uh, tennis podcast contributor Craig Anderson to talk about the upcoming Kilmarnock game. Craig, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good stuff. Not bad. I'm, I'm excited for uh, Friday's game against Kilmarnock. Obviously, uh, Derek McInnes is taking the reins over at Kilmarnock, uh, getting a win against uh, Queen of South on Saturday. So, how how what do you feel about Kelly at the moment? How are they shaping up for you with the new manager? Well, obviously, I uh, couldn't get along to Dumfries uh, just to, just to come, not be able to come on Friday night, even though I live about 25 minutes away from Fur Hill. But um, at the moment, I think under Tommy Wright, it, it was kind of a bit of a malaise. It was just kind of seemed like the season was going in the opposite direction from you'd hoped it was. Just a very boring team. And while we were still grinding out some results, it, it did start to feel like we were just slipping a wee bit further away every week from you know from the top, which is ultimately what I mean. We we want to win the league. I think that's that's not a surprise. Um, so bringing in McInnes, I think it's a, it's a bit of a coup for the club. It's certainly not a name that I expected to be anywhere near the job. And 
definitely the fans have got behind them and um the the game on the game on Saturday uh, completely dominant. Um but again it's hard to tell from a game against Queen of the South because we've we'll beat them three times this season, we beat them twice with Tommy Wright as well. So I think this thistle game will be a, a bit of a bigger a bigger challenge. Obviously you you came in um and, and did a number on us at Rugby Park um point November time. Um and even the game at Fur Hill where we, we won earlier in the season, I think it was a pretty even game for a lot of it. And in the second half, Kelly probably um, kind of took took the game away from Thistle a bit. And that was before Thistle hit Hitler kind of good spell of form. So I think this will be a big a big test uh, on on Friday night. And um, is there any indication as to how Kelly will set up? Obviously, we um, we were used to Tommy Wright, much like at St Johnson, a very defensive squad. Um, kind of patting the bus a little bit, grinding at results. They weren't, they weren't as outwardly attacking as you would maybe expect from a team like Kilmarnock in the Championship. Um, do you think it will be more of the same with McInnes, or do you think it's going to be a more of attacking philosophy? I think I, I would expect him to. He's not he's not going to be swashbuckling. I think his Aberdeen teams were ever like that. They, they, but they were definitely, I think he got a bit of a, a hard time because a lot of the games that, that people saw were the ones against you know Rangers and Celtic on the telly and in big cup, cup games and all that. But... Think a lot and, and against us to be honest, because uh, they, they were always they were always grimly. Um, yeah, they, they matched they matched up with Kelly um, in that respect. But a lot of games uh, under McKenna's Aberdeen were quite quite attack minded, and certainly in his first couple of seasons at the club when he had the wingers and things like that. I think he's obviously hamstrung a bit at the moment by the squad he's got because the squad he's got doesn't have a lot of exciting players in it. Um, but I would expect it, 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 it was a kind of three five two at the weekend, which is what. Um, what Wright had used at the tail end after being a kind of staunchly four 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 two or four five one, but so it wouldn't surprise me if we had the back three, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we went to what I I think of McInnes as a sort of four three three manager. Um, he, he had the three five two at the end um, with Aberdeen, but I, I think he's he's kind of working at the moment with the players he has. Obviously, he'll, he'll presumably be looking to do a bit of business. But yeah, I, would, I wouldn't expect it to suddenly be gung-ho and kind of going all out to attack this. I think he'll be hoping to keep it fairly tight and, and probably nick a goal. And, and I suspect this will, will be the same. Certainly, your, your strengths now seem to lie in, in the defence as well. So I'm, I'm not convinced it'll be a thrilling game of football, but I, I, might, be, I might be surprised. And... Um... You obviously mentioned about the squad maybe leaving a little bit to be desired at the moment. Is there any players you think will be key? Anyone who does stand out for you at the moment? Um, I think the forwards are, we've got, we've got, I would say, three pretty good forwards in um, Ollie Shaw, um, Callum Hendry and, and Scott Robinson. Sean Robinson started the game um, against Queen of the South. Shaw, Shaw, Shaw will definitely play in this game and he's he's uh, our top scorer this season and he's, he's Pretty, he's been pretty surprising for me because I kind of remember seeing him at Hibs and, and not being that convinced. But obviously at this level, he's got good movement. His finishing is pretty good, um, and he he generally is a bit of a pest to defenders. And so I think I think Shaw um, is, is a key player. Beyond that, our goalkeeper, um, I'm always reluctant to single out a goalkeeper because it, it guarantees he'll make a mistake. Our goalkeeper is that Keming, who's on loan from Middlesbrough, is a really good, a, a, an excellent goalkeeper. Um, also got a penchant for. Saving penalties, he, say, he managed to save two against Hamilton in the space of about ten minutes um, earlier in the season a few weeks ago. He he's a, he's been a pretty important player this season as well. Um, and for the first time, um, basically since sort of August time, we've got our, our two best centre halves um, available, which is Chris Stokes, the, the captain, and Ewan Murray. Um, Stokes got a bad injury. Can't remember if it was against you actually. It was early on in the season. He he got injured and had to go off. And um, since then, we've had lesser centre backs having to play. Um, but but with those two together I think that probably is a is a strong partnership or, or two out of the three if we do play with the back three again. And um where do you see uh Kilmarnock fitting? Do you still think the league is achievable? Um do you think they will win the league or do you think they'll end up in the playoffs? It would be it would be very easy to be kind of modest and um you know you know, I, I do think we'll win the league. I, I think, looking at it now, I think we've been very lucky this season in that even though we've struggled, nobody else has really streaked away. Um, just looking at the table now, we're, we're dead level basically with Inverness. We've got the same number of points, same goal difference, um, and they're ahead of us uh, having scored one one more goal. 
and we're now two points behind our both but have a game in hand. So so you can kind of see that as uh, well, it's definitely in our hands because we play everybody. But do you know what I mean? We are we're not miles behind or anything like that, and we have a manager who has won this league before, albeit kind of fifteen years ago, however long ago it was. And I just I just do think I'm not convinced any of the other teams have it in them to put together a run either. So I feel like it'll be tight, but I still am fairly confident we we will win it. And I know that's going to kind of come back and haunt me if we don't. But I, I wasn't when we came down. I was I, I thought probably it's going to take two or three years to, to get back up um, at, at least because I, I wasn't convinced with the, the squad we had last season. But we, we got rid of them all. We've not really brought in much of a better squad. But at the same time, kind of having seen all the other teams, um, Thistle's probably been the one, certainly at, at Rugby Park, the ones who, who impressed me a lot, um, along with our growth. Um, and Wraith Rovers are a good team as well. Um, so that there are good teams there, but I think they're lacking consistency, just as we are. So I, I do think we'll probably just, you know, if we win, you know, three games out of four every we run until the end of the season, or, or even two out of four and get a draw sometimes, I think that'll be enough. And, and I, I do expect us to do that. I feel like the investment in McInnes suggests um, a club who is just desperate to get back up, and, and I suspect that may be reflected in, in the transfer market as well. And um, how big a loss uh, for Kelly is not having fans in? for this game uh, are Kelly fans seeing this as big a game as ourselves and do you think that uh, they'll miss not having the Kelly fans there yeah pro- I mean probably I think the fact there's only 500 Thistle fans as well probably lessens that it's, so it's not it's not like it's a you know a full Thistle crowd and then no Kelly fans it's kind of a bit of a bit flat in general I is seen as a big game definitely I mean um, there's obviously it's before my time there's obviously a kind of um, guys who kind of follow Kelly in the 80s and early 90s see Thistle as, um, as a bit of a rival as well um, and so it, it would be a big game regardless of the context but definitely looking it feels to me if we were to win this game we would we would really push Thistle quite a bit out of the out of the picture for the title and it would obviously the only game against the top top five teams that we've won this season was, was the one at Fur Hill the last time so it's a big game in that respect of saying, you know what, we can actually go out and, and beat these types of teams. And, and it's a big game in terms of be, being on the TV as well. I think there are Kelly fans out there who are not, um, you know, don't go every week and, and probably have got a bit scunnered by it. So if they, you know, will probably will watch the game on the telly and if we put in a performance, it probably attracts them back um, along obviously a, a big a big game against Air coming up in, in a couple of weeks and, and it makes them more likely to come to that and makes it more likely to get the fans on board for the rest of the season as well. So I think there's a, there's a number of things. So there, there would have been a, a big crowd, um, no doubt, of, of away fans. And I think we, we do have, we relative to the size of our home support, we do have a pretty big away crowd for um, for kind of local away games like this one. So it is a shame in that respect. Um, obviously, we have been to Fur Hill twice this season because we, we played Queen's Parkway in the Cup as well. So it's not like we've not had the chance to go, but... It would have been nice, uh, nice for a, a Friday night uh, in big, big league game to be there. And my um, score prediction for you for Friday: two 0 again, just like the last time. Um, I, I, I said two one Thistle. Obviously, it, it, it's that natural instinct we're always going to bet, you know, team, aren't you? Um, to to win, but I, I think it's going to be. It's going to be an interesting game, but um, yeah, good luck for the rest of the season, obviously, except against us. Yeah, I'm um, sure you mean that, if, if we finish two points ahead of you. <laughs> well, I, I, exactly, yeah, I'll be cussing, I'll be cussing me giving you good luck if that happens, but there you go. Um, anything else you want to mention about Kelly at all? No, no, just uh, th- thanks for inviting me on, and um, as I say, being been local, I, I do... As much as I enjoy seeing seeing you lose as well, I do like when this will do well. It would be, it would be fairly nice if both of us were in the Premiership next season, which is possible. Um, it's it's a local game for me, so I, I can't say I hope we'll be in the same league if it means that we both stay down. But if uh, if we both go up, that would be nice. It's a calling card of any guests we have on this, isn't it? You know, I like to see if this will do well. Hope hope we both go up, but I um, but thank you again, um, Craig. Um, it's great to speak to you. And um, yeah, hopefully speak to you later in the season. Perfect. Thanks very much.
Jamie, we're playing at home at Hill. Hopefully, fingers crossed if the pitch holds up against Derek McInnes' Kilmarnock on Friday night. What sort of game are you expecting and a score prediction? I think it's going to be a really end-to-end game. I think both teams will want to go for each other. I think Derek McInnes will want to be making a statement as a Kilmarnock manager, so I assume he'll line up quite attacking. I, mean, I could be completely wrong, I don't know. I've not really, I've only watched Kilmarnock when they played against us and watched him on TV once on the opening day when they played against there. But obviously that was under Tommy Wright, so it's a different manager. Could use a different system, different players, I don't know. It's hard to tell, obviously, because we didn't see them play yesterday. So it's really difficult to, you know, try to judge how he, how he's going to play. Obviously, he could consider it back to his Aberdeen teams, but, you know, it's a different league. It's a different different squad. So I just assume they'll want to go attacking and make a statement by beating us, who are obviously kind of the prom- one of the promotion rivals, and they'll want to do that try to get himself back up to the top of the table. But I think we'll be right up for it as well. You know, obviously, McCall will be drilling into the squad about how important a game this is. They all know that. It's a, it's a big game for us. Mentioned earlier, they've got a pretty dreadful record at home against Kilmarnock in recent years. You know, a lot of draws in there and a couple of defeats. You know, we want to want to set that right. We want to get a win against them at home. It'd be good. We've beaten them at Robbie Park quite a few times. We've beaten them earlier in the season at Robbie Park. There's no reason why we can't beat them again. I don't know if they've made any January signings. If they have, I don't think it's a huge amount. I could be wrong, but it's going to be a pretty similar squad we're going to come up against. We beat them before and we know we can beat them again. But obviously, they've beaten us as well. So, they'll be saying the exact same thing. Because of all that, I'm going to say, I could see a one each draw. That's what my head's saying. But my heart's going to say a 2 one festival win. So, I'll go 2-1. David? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I'm excited for it, partly because I got a ballot for to go to the game, so I'm I'm very excited to get back to Fahal and see the, see them again. It's gonna be a bit of a wild game. I think I would prefer to face McInnes's Kilmarnock now than I would at the other end of this quarter, because um, I think by then he'll have, he'll have figured out a system and got them more drilled, and I think they'll be a bit tougher to beat. And they'll they'll come into their own through the season. They might not necessarily run away with the league or anything like that, but I think they'll they'll sort of find their find their gear by the end of the end of the quarter. And I think I'd rather be facing them now than then. I think McCall will be up for it. Squad will be up for it. Kill will be up for it. Um it's on the telly. I'll I'll say two one thistle as well. Reese. Yeah, I think this is a game that's kinda it's really sad that this is going to be behind the restrictions because I think Kilmarnock would have took a really big crowd um on Friday night with it being the new manager bounce and all that. I remember the game where Steve Clark was announced. I know he was in the stands that day. He didn't he wasn't actually in the dugout, but the fact that the new manager was watching, their their whole team lifted it. They had a, a good following that day. Um and when come things are going well for Commander, they usually do take a good following. Um, and obviously we were playing pretty well as well. So it would have been a great one to for all fans to attend. But let's be honest, the pitch is going to be an absolute shambles if the game's able to go ahead. So I'm not expecting a pretty game by any means. I'm expecting, expecting a bit of a battle. A lot of the ball being spent in the air for the majority of the game. Uh, and I kind of think the same as Jamie. I, I want to say that we're going to win, but I think it'll be a one-each draw. And the end of the day, a one-each draw isn't a terrible result. But if we can manage to nick something, if we can manage to nick a win on Friday night, then I know I said it before with the, the Rafe and the Inverness game, Obviously, the Inverness game never actually panned out, but we'd beat Kilmarnock on Friday or winning the league. Seven. I was going to say, I agree with Easton that this game would have been... I think when Kilmarnock came down and we went up to the Championship, I think this is a game that we were all bursting for. You know, second half of the season, Kelly at Farhill, that that would be some game if all the fans are in and it would be a great atmosphere. And it is quite sad that it's going to be you know, a muted atmosphere, but it's 500 Thistle fans, so you know, better that than nobody, or better that than 500 Kelly fans, so, um, yeah, but it w- would have been a crack, I think everyone was looking forward to it. It is a shame, and it's obviously tough for the club, because they're going to miss out on quite a bit of gate money from away fans, but I think from a, a football point of view, it's probably quite a good one to, to lose the away fans for, because I think Reese makes a good point about when Kelly came to Farhill in Steve Clark's first game, they really won that game just based on, like, fueled on the atmosphere. And the players were sort of given that extra 10-15% to impress the new manager. And it might have been a similar situation on, on Friday night, but hopefully the 500 Thistle fans can, can make a noise and, and spur Thistle on to victory. 
the, the one thing I hope we get really for the sake of Alan Brown MP, just so he 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 keeps himself well this weekend, is just we get a good fair ref who really keeps on top of the time wasting and you know we we want absolutely none of that. But I'm struggling to see many goals in the game. I don't think the game the two games between us this season have been brilliant. I think we played really well in the first half at Rugby Park and Kelly played really well in the second half at Fahill. But they've not been excellent games. I'm tempted to go with Reese a one one draw, maybe even a nil nil draw. The pitch, as we say, isn't great at the moment. There haven't been a lot of goals at Farhill recently. So I'm gonna say a very low scoring draw. I've got a conspiracy theory. I think I think there's been some jiggery pokery with the ballot. I hope there's been some jiggery pokery with the ballot. I hope it's all North Stand people who get balloted for the killer game. So people actually make some fucking noise. I don't want four hundred GHS people sitting with uh, sitting on their hands, no, uh, being silent. We want we want the full sheds um, there for the the five hundred to bring them on, get get that match winning atmosphere on there. David, we we do a party. This whole podcast, our audience, our target audience is already very niche. Please don't piss off like half of them. They know that. By taking they shots know the they're quiet. I know they know it, but they don't need reminded of it. We've got a niche audience. Don't alienate half of them. Anyway, before we lose half our listenership or more, we will finish with Partridge Thistle this week and in honour of Brian Graham putting off the Hamilton goalkeeper with his shenanigans while he was organising his wall. I'm going to ask you all, when have you successfully put somebody off? Anyone can come in on that one because I know Jamie and Reese, you're, you're very slow with the, the Partridge Thistle. So anyone can come in if they've got a good one. I don't have a specific instance, but... I've mentioned before in the pod that I, I played trading card games, um, like uh, Ma- uh, Magic the Gathering mainly. And that's my main tactic, is putting people off and sort of diverting people away from me. Um, I don't generally have to attack or anything like that. I just kind of put people off and distract them and just blind them with patter. And then then like 18 turns later, they're on like two health and <laughs> I, just, I just hit them. So... Probably any time you play me, uh, play me at Magic the Garden, I'm probably distracting you and put you off something um, to win the game. That, that's probably my shout. As, uh, mine's also not specific, but when I was younger, I used to you know, talk a lot in the car on long journeys. and you know, I waffled on so much with my dad who was driving that you're definitely taking wrong turns at times because of me. We ended up adding like an extra half hour, 40 minutes to the journey, going onto the wrong air road or whatever. So yeah, that's not be my one. Pretty rubbish entry, but you know I'm always pulling up for an injury in Patrick Thistle. <laughs> I'm gonna. <laughs> I can't give you an answer this week. I'm trying to rack my brain, but honestly, I've not got anything, man. I'm, maybe I struggle to put people off. Maybe that's it's a bad thing. We need to put people off more often, but aye, I can't think of any right now. Mate, petition to petition to scrap Partridge Thistle. It's too difficult. The Partridge Thistle is as I as I agree. It's a great. I love it, mate. I love to hear it, but I'm. It's a good idea, but I'm. I'm so bad at it. I just like listening to David's one saying, "I'm like, fuck, no, it's my turn." (laughs) Yeah, David. David always comes out with like a proper one that has a story. You know, it's like an origin story to it. Like a redemption arc at the end and stuff. And then I'm just like, I I I do have one, but I don't think I'm allowed to put it in. So I'll tell you it, but I do need to cut it out because it is quite. I mean, I could say it, but it's like it's 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 quite underhanded. But um, when I used to when I used to work for Virgin Media, I've, I may have told you this before. But when I used to work for Virgin Media, I used to work in the retentions team. So I was the person that basically, if you wanted to switch your internet or whatever, um, you, you you spoke to me and you'd all look for a discount and stuff like that. And let, let's be honest, it's a battle of wits. You need to you need to properly be be about it. You can't let people you know take you for a ride or anything like that. So my key tactic was that if somebody wasn't playing ball or whatever, there, um, we, we we have a thing where for, for technical purposes, we can reset your router so we can turn it off and turn it back on so that, you know, to like reboot it so that, you know, if you've got a problem, whatever, we'll solve it. And I used to do that where they were saying they were going to leave and then I would just put them in hold, but a silent hold so I could still hear them and I'd reset their hub. So they'd be sitting there and the internet would go off and they'd go into a panic. So I go, he's fucking turned it off. He's turned it off. What's happening? The internet's gone. And they'd like have a couple of minutes of just, you know, having a panic because they've lost the internet. It's meant to be 30 days. It wasn't straight away. 
and they have a panic and then I come back going, hi there, are you all right? We're just getting that cancelled for you just now. And then they completely lose it. And they go, I'll just stay. I'll just stay. It's all right. Just put it back on. And then um, they didn't leave. Um, so every time, so I put them off, they were dead set and leaving. And then I forced the issue on them by turning off the internet. And they, and they generally always stayed. So that's probably a good one. But again, it is incredibly shady. And I've probably various people who listen to this that I've done it to. So, um, aye. <laughs> I don't think you need to cut that out. That's class. I don't yeah. think you need to cut that out. That can stay. If people listening will want an insight into, I'm sure, uh, the life of a customer services worker. No, that's a good one. No, I agree with I agree with Jamie. Um, I do like listening to David's stories and Patrick's just like next time we have a call off, we'll have a, an episode of quiz and just talking about conspiracy theories. I'm sure that's that's what the people want to hear. <laughs> I have yet to do all of these quiz episodes. So yeah, I need to make my draw those a draw quiz debut. I, I need to redeem myself at some point. I generally was going to spend the day looking over the 2021 year. Just so I didn't like embarrass myself in case you pulled out your 2021 quiz, um, but I, I didn't. So you mean you, you lost your opportunity? I, I might actually have to do some homework for it. But, I missed um, the quizzes sometimes. He did the ones over lockdown. Go win! I got to win free stuff out of that. It's not on anymore. Are you 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 won like so many signed balls and shirts and stuff like that? Oh, and, yeah, like, I won fifty pound Amazon voucher once. That was the week when I was like, that's mad. It was like, I, I was like, why? Why is it the, that was like such a class one that week as well? Because I got like a lot of like same shots and stuff. I think if Jamie's playing David in a quiz, we'll need to put a handicap on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm good I'm good at quizzes, just not fizzle quizzes. <laughs> That's my problem. Oh, Everybody, yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm I'm the same. I'm I'm, back, I'm like the opposite. Like, I'm going to a pub quiz and I'm useless at pub quizzes and like. But when it's like, I'm like, why is there no Scottish football questions in this? I'm. Oh, my, my life revolves around Thistle too much. I said that in the chat a while ago. Like 95% of my life is way to invest in this football club. See, my, my problem is that all my friends are like, oh, if, if they, they'll hear, like, if it's like when they were doing the lockdown quizzes or it's a fizzle quiz or it's like a, uh, or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, you'd be really good at that, David. I'm like, I tr- trust me, I'm fucking not. I'm really, really not good at them. I'm already at other quizzes, but um, more geography, flags and capitals, I'm smashing it, but. Um, no, I was, no, was going to contribute to the Partridge Thistle this week with my Monopoly tactics. It's one of the most pathetic things I'm proud of is my, my Monopoly run. I'm sure I'm unbeaten in Monopoly in what must be about 10 years. <laughs> and I've got a six a six point plan to Monopoly, which I might sell a book about in like my retirement years or will sell for, for lots of money. But basically, I'll, I'll share one of them. One of them is to be humble but also to repeat that you're being humble and just keep saying <laughs> the key to this game is to be humble and you'll get you'll get in the heads of who is you're playing against and they will not negotiate with you unless they're desperate. But you need to just keep repeating, be humble, be humble and be humble. Don't brag about winning, like taking their money, go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But see, when you know you win, that's when you turn into an arsehole, right? But the, the key to Monopoly is generally... Be humble and keep saying that the key is to be humble, and I promise you, your mon- your monopoly fortunes. Wait, will you can't use, change. You can't use that tactic anymore. You've just let the world. Well, go. no, see, his other tactics are going to be like rule two, rule one is void. That it's going to it's going to be stuff. See, I was going to say because James James Kearney had, had said that he'd wanted a game of Risk with me. Have you played Risk before, Matt? No. No, right. Risk is cracking. Um, and I, I quite like board games. I'm not as big at Monopoly, although I used to, in work, I used to play all the time, online Monopoly all the time, like every day in between like, work um, with, with everybody else in my office. Um, but like, I play lots of board games and I'm very much like that. And I, I again, like when I play Magic the Gathering, I'm very, uh, I'm very much humble going, oh, I'm, I'm not getting involved, you know. I'll help you, but I'm not. I'm not making enemies. I'm everybody's pal here, and then fuck them over. So I think. And James Kearney, he said to me that he's a total tyrant during Risk, and he's like absolutely no mercy. Will absolutely betray you in a heartbeat. So I think me, you, and James Kearney in a game of Risk would be inc- incredible content. The um, first so I think YouTube, the first YouTube video drawers or drop puts up will be just us playing board games. It, it would be it, look, that's a big thing on YouTube. People do that, um, so I, I'm well in front. That'll expand our market. Anyway, we'll, we'll call this because it's going to turn into 
not a Partick Thistle podcast, a podcast where we just happen to talk about Partick Thistle for a bit. But, uh, David, Welcome to Win, Win or Win, the Matt Greer board game podcast. Oh, yeah, that's my bit on the side. Uh, David, Jamie Reese, thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back next week, hopefully to talk about a victory against Kilmarnock and then look ahead to our Scottish Cup tie against Airdrie. In the meantime, stay safe. You should have said stay safe and be humble. I should have. I should have. <laughs>